Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Football Podcast. Our thanks to Rehoy and Son for their support of the show. Coming up this week, well, it looked destined to happen sooner rather than later. Mayor Letissier is on the verge of becoming a full England international after being called up to the Lionesses squad for the first time. Reaction to that news on the way. We'll also pick the bones out of a frustrating weekend for Guernsey FC and look back at the latest Premier League action. I'm Tony Kerr and alongside me this week is Gareth the Prevo. Hi, Tony. Great to see you, Gareth. Just me and you. Just me and you, Candlelight. Um, What a piece of news this week. I mean, uh, as I say, um, we've been waiting for it, haven't we? Uh, Kind of with bated breath for sort of weeks, months. Um, It looked like it was going to happen. She's been so heavily involved through all the age groups, through the under-23s. But finally, um, yeah, we we found out this time last week or last Tuesday that that Mayor was going to be a lioness. Yeah, it was always a a when rather than if, wasn't it? I think it'll, it'll last long in my memory, you shouting across me from your desk saying, Mayor's in. <laughs> but uh, no, it's, it's, great to, um, it's great to see her make that step up. Um, obviously, as uh, the manager, Serena Vigman, said, um, with the World Cup sort of just around the corner next summer, they, they sort of need to have uh, sort of a strength in depth and also have a look at some of the youngsters if, if they need to step up um, with that big tournament just around the corner. Obviously, um, England are have got a pretty settled squad. They've obviously the European champions, so it's, it's hard to break into that squad, but they've also got a couple of injuries with um, uh, obviously Captain Leah Williamson's out of this squad. So there is some sort of like, they they need to look at other options in defence and um, Mayer's obviously been playing really well for Manchester United. They started with five clean sheets up until their top of the table clash at the weekend. So um, she's made the impression. She's obviously very highly regarded within the England setup. She's been part of it since she was sort of 15 throughout the age groups and she was captaining the under 23s so far this year. Um, so the step up was it was bound to come sooner rather than later, I think. But uh, it's still, it's just, a, it's a great buzz when that happens. When a, a Guernsey player gets gets that international rec- recognition in a senior squad that's so highly thought of now, uh, it, it was just great. It sort of really, um, it sort of resonated around the island. You could tell as soon as the the sort of the tweets started flying around, uh, just how proud everyone was and. Yeah, I mean, we had Mayer in on, on the podcast. Was it last summer and or two thousand and one summer? And she always said her aim was to be in that senior squad. Whether it's come a bit earlier than she might have expected or we might have expected, possibly. But um, it's it's just great to see her in there. Yeah, and you've been covering Guernsey sport for uh, quite a while now. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so I've been covering it longer than May has been alive. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, where you know, hopefully she'll get some game time this week. Maybe, maybe not. But hopefully that game time will come at some point. She'll get on the pitch um, yeah, as a, as a fulling international, you know, if and when that happens, and when that happens, hopefully. I mean, how big a moment will that be? How big an achievement will that be in, in a sort of Guernsey context? Oh, it's massive. When you look back at sort of how difficult it is to get into any international side, I mean, it's, it's obvious you need to be very high quality. But football in particular, it is sort of like the sport around the world. It's, it's the most popular sport. Um, Maya is she's always stood out over here obviously she's made history in local circles with um, Star Trophy and uh, Nigel Gave Memorial Trophy appearances for the Guernsey age group sides um, but yeah to to get that sort of make that step up so quickly as well I mean I think it was, it's only five and a half years since she was playing for Guernsey in the Star Trophy so to be part of what are now a European Championship squad 
is just it's just really astonishing it it, it perhaps we almost we've almost taken it for granted because like you say it was a case of it was going to happen sooner or later because she she just she just looks so comfortable in in that sort of um, in that environment. She, I mean, she she's played well over fifty games in the in the top flight of English football, the Women's Super League, by the age of twenty. I mean, so um, it didn't come as a surprise, but sort of you sort of got your fingers crossed that. In 15 years' time, we're looking back at this moment being the start of a career which hopefully wins many caps. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I think it is massive testament to her determination, drive, focus. Um, you know, those trips away as a youngster for sort of weekends, camps, trials, all that kind of stuff. And then, and, you know, the hours and uh, seemingly that she put in as well on her own, mm. you know, as a sort of um, budding professional, um, you know, over the last few years, you know, back in summers or winters, yeah, on, on her own at the KG5 or Foots Lane, either sort of doing sprints mm. or or just kind of kicking a ball. Some of the, you know, some of the time with Alex Scott, um, uh, which is quite cool. But um yeah, yeah, that that kind of hard work—it's so nice to see it rewarded. Yeah, yeah. Um, like you say, her, her dedication sort of seconds none. Like you say, um, we had Ben Hunter in here a few weeks ago talking about Saints, and when he goes and look after the Blanche Pierre Lane pitch during the summer, it's usually him and Maya down there because <laughs> she, she's sort of like getting it and keeping her training up throughout the summer. Um, so yeah, it, it, hard work does pay off. She's also obviously got an awful lot of ability as well. Um, I, I try and watch her as often as I can when her um, games are on the, the on TV in the Women's Super League. Um, I, I am very biased, I suppose, when I watch it, but she always sort of impresses me whenever I see her. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it is a natural progression. And it's just, But she is still learning as well, and she'll be the first to say that... Um, She's got a lot of improvements still to make. So to be at this level already with plenty still to come, um, it's just it's just a really positive thing. It's, it's great for Guernsey, great for Maya, great for her family. And um, I'm sure it's, um, yeah, it's still just very early on in the journey. It's great. You mentioned the sort of Twitter frenzy of last week. Um, you know, there was a lot of excitement around locally and, you know, in the kind of wider football mm. circle about, about her selection for the first time. And uh, one tweet caught my eye from Catherine Batty, who's the um, women's football correspondent for Mail on line who mentioned that she'd um, was very familiar with Guernsey and had kind of been keeping an eye on um, on Mayer's progress for a little while and, and was particularly excited to see her um, in the squad so uh, yeah anyway I reached out and um, caught up with her to get a sort of outside perspective on um, Mayer's progress and, and this achievement of making her first um, Lionesses squad um, she's actually been at St George's Park um, today hearing Mayer speak in um, the press conference before they um, jet off to Spain um, where the two matches against Japan and Norway um, are going to take place over the weekend um, and I started by asking her um, sort of how she came across I suppose in that press conference today. First Senior England press conference went very well um, you know she came across really well in, in front of the journalists she's a lot of, quite a lot of people quite excited to see, see her in the squad and see how well she does um, as I say she spoke very well and you know she's she's clearly kind of got her feet firmly on the ground you know she's not set herself any goals of starting the games or, or being on the bench or coming off the bench um, she's just very much happy to be in and around the squad and, and hopefully make an impression. And um, yeah, she seems really, really excited to be to be in and around it. And um, it's going to be, you know, interesting to see kind of how she does over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I hope she wasn't too tired because she was in action last night um, in that game against Chelsea. I think you were there as well um, and so probably got to St George's Park quite late last night. Yeah, I was at the game, yeah. Um, I think you could tell May was probably also, she spoke about the game last night and she was still obviously disappointed at 
at how it had gone. I thought she gave a, a fairly good account of herself. I thought first half up against Sam Kerr, she did quite a good job of matching her and, and keeping her quiet. Unfortunately, second half, um, you know, one of her defensive teammates made a bit of a mistake and um, kind of got caught on the back foot. And obviously, Kerr just took the, the chance that came to her. But, um, you know, considering that was probably a, the biggest game she's played for Man United so far, I thought she did, she did quite well. And um, obviously, the result didn't go her way. But um, as I say, I think she gave a fairly good account of herself and you know, um, hopefully she'll she'll get a chance to maybe um, get a few minutes for for England, either against Japan or Japan or Norway. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it has been a, a very busy week for a massive week. I mean, yeah, let's talk about those two games. How much do you think we'll see of Mayer in those matches against Japan and Norway? It's really hard to tell because Serena is not one for handing out debuts um, easily. She's only given, I think, four players their debut in in the last year and a half, um, however long she's been in charge. And, um, you know, Hegarisa, when she was interim manager, gave four debuts in one game. <laughs> so you really have to impress to, to get the shirt. Um, but we have seen players like Lauren James, who's who've come in over the last two camps and, and have clearly caught, you know, Serena's eye. If Maya can do that in training, then there's every chance she might get an opportunity off the bench. I think maybe that Norway game, um, a Norway side that are missing you know, they're stronger players. Um, Edda Hegerberg's out with injury and as is Caroline Graham Hansen. I think maybe that would be a game we could see her come off the bench. Um, I think realistically starting is, um, you know, not out of the question, but you would you would think that that would be quite tough because, uh, as I say, Serena doesn't hand out um, starts or, or, or debuts very often. Um, but, you know, she's been really impressive for Manchester United. You know, last night was the first time they'd conceded all season. So she's she definitely earned, uh, earned an opportunity. And obviously, you know, there is a gap in centre-back with, with Leah Williamson being injured. You've got Millie Bright, Alex Greenwood and, and Lotta Wood and Moy there. But the WSL managers might quite like them to have a little bit of a rest and not play, you know, two 90 minutes of, of both games, given uh, the, the busy schedule that, that the clubs have. So every chance we could maybe see Mayer come off the bench, perhaps probably more likely to be against Norway. Yeah, fingers crossed. I mean, do you think she would have been in contention um, for senior selection this season had she stayed at Brighton? Uh, albeit, I guess, Brighton's Katie Robinson has also got that first call up this week. Yeah, I don't think it would have been out of the question. Um, I think maybe the move to Manchester United has kind of... Um, it probably has helped because I think she's challenged herself and, and probably moved herself out of her comfort zone. Whereas, um, you know, it is a step up playing for a club that are trying to, you know, get in the Champions League places and, and battling at the top rather than a Brighton is maybe a team that is sort of more mid-table, sort of lower end and half. Um, but I, I don't think Serena's really kind of one of those managers that only picks players from the top teams. As you mentioned, Katie Robinson's got a chance. Um, Jess Park's been given a chance from Everton. Um, we've just seen that Gabby George has been called up to the squad because Jordan Nobbs and uh, Lauren Hemp have dropped out. So Serena's very much kind of, she'll call up the players that she thinks could fit in with the squad and, um, you know, it doesn't really matter if they're playing for an Arsenal or a Man United or if they're playing for a West Ham or, a, or an Everton or a Brighton. Yeah, we've obviously known about Maya um, here in Guernsey for, for a number of years now. Um, when did she first come onto your radar? Because one of the reasons I reached out to you um, was seeing you mention Guernsey on Twitter because I, I gather you know the island quite well. 
Yeah, I used to, I used to go to Guernsey every summer uh, up until COVID with with my parents. Um, we'd go there every summer holiday, so I know the island quite well. So when Maya was mentioning it in her press conference, saying people probably don't know where it is, I um, I know exactly where it is and I know the <laughs> island very well. But um, it was interesting hearing her talk about kind of being a role model for young young girls growing up in Guernsey because when she was playing, she obviously played for a boys' team up until the age of sixteen and. Um, you know, she didn't have a women's team or a women's club to join. And there are young girls now in Guernsey kind of, you know, they can look up to someone like Mayer and see that, you know, the, the chance of being a professional footballer, while it's it's a difficult dream, it's definitely one that is possible and, you know, much more possible than it ever used to be. So it was really nice kind of hearing her talk about the support she's had from the island as well. And she said, you know, I hope that everyone back home, you know, is, is you know, pleased and proud because, you know, they've supported her so much and that, you know, all of that has been has been worth it for her making making the squad. No, oh, absolutely, and uh, hopefully you'll be able to get back over here at some point then um, uh, for another holiday. Um, just coming back to to what's ahead for Mayer. I mean, we've obviously got a World Cup next year um, where England go in as European champions. I mean, when you look at the options available, um, Serena Vigman, how do you rate Mayer's chances at this stage of making the squad? I guess you know, form and, and injury and fitness um, will come into the equation too. Yeah, it's it's difficult because um, obviously May has been playing centre back at the minute for for Manchester United, and um, you know England. When Leah Williamson comes back, you'll have Leah Williamson, Millie Bright, Lotta Woman, Moy, and Alex Greenwood, who's now sort of classed as a centre back, although she can play left back as well. But uh, what I think is in May's favour is that she can play a number of different positions. She can also play right back. She can play central, holding midfield if if required. And that is always something that is, is good to have a player that's versatile and that might be something that works in her favour. Um, it, it could just depend on how the rest of the season goes. As you say, injuries injuries happen and you never know, kind of, obviously Leah Williamson's out at the minute. Um, you know, other players can, can pick up knocks. And while it's, um, it's going to be difficult for her to maybe come into the squad and, and start every game, I think if she can impress Serena, then, you know, she's got enough time to, to force her way into that, that World Cup squad. And if if they follow the men's what they've done with the men's World Cup, which I think they probably will, um, if they extend the squad to twenty six, then I think that increases May's chances of making it even more just because they say she can she can play more than one position. Oh, it's an exciting prospect. It's an exciting week uh, already. So, um, yeah, we can't wait to see uh, see how she gets on this weekend, if she can get some some time on the pitch. Catherine, thanks so much for your time. And um, yeah, uh, we'll hopefully speak to you again. Yeah, definitely. Catherine Batty, who's the women's football correspondent for Mail Online, speaking to me there. And um, she's been over many times, Gareth, uh, on holiday in Guernsey. So hopefully we can catch up for, with her in the studio as, uh, and talk about Mayer as a yeah, senior Lionesses player at some point soon. Well, yeah, she's certainly invited in any time she comes to Guernsey. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a lovely place to go on a holiday. One other player we mentioned um, in that interview is Katie Robinson, um, who's at Brighton now, of course, where Mayer was um, before she moved to Man United this summer. Um, someone who uh, she's been very good friends with kind of throughout the system. And someone who I actually interviewed exactly five years ago to the day that the squad was announced and they were announced together as being part of it. I interviewed them at Blanche PLA and the two of them training uh, back in 2017. Um, yeah, training uh, ahead of an under-16 camp as it was then. 
um, and, and talking about, you know, their friendship and their, their kind of um, sort of mutual desire to obviously sort of make their way in the professional game. And um, yeah, five years on, uh, they're in the squad together for the first time, which is just such a nice, uh, nice element to the story, I thought. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's, it's great. I, th- I think just having sort of people, your peers like that, you can be good friends, but it's just sort of, it helps your own progression. It sort of pushes you on when you see a friend doing well. Um, if, if you're close to him like that, it, it just it, it sort of shows you what can be achieved with dedication, with hard work. And um, yeah, it's, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if they're probably rooming together this, this week just to sort of help ease, ease them in into the senior squad. But um, yeah, like you say, Tony, it's uh, it's just great when you've got youngsters who are able to make that step up and just give them the chance to sort of show what they're all about. Well, those games then um, for England against Japan on Friday night and then against Norway on Tuesday, the 15th of November. So um, we can't wait to see how Mayer gets on there. And uh, of course, we wish her all the best. Um, right, I think that's it for part one. Um, coming up next, we'll be talking GFC and Premier League. Welcome back. Our thanks once again to Rehoy and Son for their support of the show. Well, let's move on to what happened locally at the weekend, Gareth. Um, another disappointing, sort of dreary day in the rain for Guernsey FC. Um, a 1-0 defeat at home against Westfield. Um, it was a penalty that came right at the end of the first half um, that separated the sides. And it was the man in the middle, really, though, Gareth, that uh, kind of drew the full ire of the Footslane crowd, wasn't it? Well, certainly you drew yours, Tony. Yeah. <laughs> You're one of the fans in the in Foots Lane on the Saturday, but yes, um, yeah, uh, a lot of the decisions were um, questioned, shall we say? Certainly, um, not many went GFC's way on the day, and he um, felt the full ire of the crowd sort of walk in both at half time at full time, and. Um, yeah, I, it was one of those days where just nothing seemed to go GFC's way. I thought they actually played pretty well. They were certainly the better of the two sides on the day, I felt. Um, but yeah, when when the decisions aren't going your way, it just seems to mount up. And it's sort of any sort of 50-50 or in, in a lot of cases, it seemed even more in GFC's favour than that. But um, when none of those are going your way, it's, uh, it's certainly just it just builds the the atmosphere and just the... Um, just the the notion that it's not going to be your day, and like you say, it was, a, it was a pretty damp and dreary day anyway. But it just ended. It just seemed to be a really miserable day um, on a in a for a performance which was actually pretty good. And it's such a shame that it sort of went that way, really. Well, let's hear what Tony Vance had to say to you at full time. Proud of the performance, um, but yeah, left questioning um, the decisions made in the middle. Uh, I thought we were excellent um, first half. I thought we were really, really good. Um, you know, our second ball uh, gains were exceptional. Um, sort of variety of play was really good as well, and in, in difficult conditions and, and against difficult circumstances. And I thought I thought we were excellent and deserved to be two do two goals up, not one goal down. <laughs> Simple as that. <laughs> um, in terms of the the goal scoring, lack of it recently, is there anything you can do to rectify that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, we, we scored two goals away at Chipstead, and, and we we had two goals taken away from us today. Um, so we're creating chances. So you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really too concerned about about that today. You know, in in terms of that, you know, it's just really just been a difficult day. Yeah. yeah. Um, can, I, can I ask your assessment of the other two teams, Westfield and the officials? Um, I thought we were better than Westfield. Uh, we we deserved to win the game. Um, and uh, as for the officials, 
it's probably best I don't comment too, too much, but uh, for a couple of reasons. One is I keep getting a letter from some person telling me that I should stop blaming the referees. Um, so I've got to be careful of that one. And then, uh, but, and the other comment really is that I've always said, and I've always maintained that referees will never cost you a game of football. But today I'm going to take that comment back. <laughs> there was four major decisions there, which have, you know, we saw and video evidence, which have, which have totally um, changed the destiny of the game. And in terms of your players' reaction, because a lot of those decisions were sort of yeah. relatively early on in the game. The fact that they kept performing the way they did, it must be, you must be pretty proud of the way they were reacting in that regard. Absolutely, because at half-time they were, they were spitting feathers. Um, I think it got to the stage where they started laughing because uh, that's all they could do. Uh, as I said, it was, it was disappointing, really disappointing, because it, it, it probably... Uh, it's what we're talking about now, rather than our performance. And that's the disappointing because as, as I think it's probably one of the best, certainly at Foots Lane anyway, um, you know, that we've been um, and uh, we're talking about something that we shouldn't do. Yeah. Well, I was going to mention the fact that before the game you told me you wanted to be at least 3% better than the last time you were here. How many percent were you in the end? Ah, oh, hundred. Yeah, yeah, definitely, hundred percent better. Yeah, yeah, for sure, absolutely. Tony Vance speaking to you there uh, in the tunnel afterwards, Gareth. Ugh. It's a really hard one, isn't it? Because I, I, there's there's no doubt that the kind of abuse of referees has got way out of hand, um, and it, and it is damaging. I was going to say, go as far as say it's destroying, but it's certainly severely damaging the game. It's so difficult though on a day like that where you just think that, that, that almost all of the decisions went the wrong way. That, that you have to be able to criticise uh, the, the officials at, at some stage. We, we went through the highlights um, with James Faller in the office. Um, Jim, who's obviously spent a fair bit of time with whistle in hand, um, he came down on the side of the officials almost every time, or said there was a you know there was a reason why it might have been might have been given the way it was. And he's a fully paid up member of the uh, the referees officials union, of course. <laughs> There's just some decisions though where, and you see it in the professional game as well. It, it's whatever the laws are that are being enacted by the referees are clearly wrong because the, what's unfolding on the pitch is not how you you just think that most football fans would like to see the game managed. Like you say, Tony, when, when James was watching it on the highlights, having not been at the game, looking at it sort of in the cold light of day two days afterwards, he was sort of saying, understandable decision, what, what was given. And yet just, yeah, on the day, it was, you're watching these things thinking... How has he seen it that way? And I, there was a couple, um, perhaps not on the on the penalty. It's it's obviously a, it's a debatable one, but I can see why it was given. I I don't particularly agree with. I don't like it when a player basically sees a challenge coming in and basically steps in the way of it. Um, but that's I suppose a lot of people say that's part of the game. But certainly there was one in the first half where um, Danny Hale just basically got wiped out and the free kick was given against him. And it, it was one where I, I don't like referees being abused or or players sort of remonstrating with referees too much. But um, GFC ended up with a yellow card in that scenario, and I could totally understand why. And I, you, you can sort of forgive the GFC reaction to that one because things had been mounting up. And then when a decision which, to me, looked blatantly wrong at the time and, and the replays show that Danny Hale won the ball and he then gets basically launched he gets volleyed into the back of his leg and for some reason it's given against him I can understand <laughs> I can understand the fury in the moment at that and um, if I was on the pitch representing GFC I would have probably been remonstrating <laughs> with, the, with, the, with, the, uh, with the referee at the time 
Um, one thing um, Tony Mance actually brought up sort of after the game, before I started recording, he did sort of mention, he wondered why the officials aren't, commun- um, they're not mic'd up between themselves. And that. I mean, Prio League, we have it. In local hockey, we have it. In local rugby, we have it. All the officials are mic'd up. They can hear what's going on with each other. They'll talk to each other about what they're seeing. Um, and it doesn't seem to happen in the Isthmian League, which is a bit strange because nowadays the, the um, technology is very readily available. So I don't quite understand why um, they're not mic'd up. And would that have helped in certain scenarios? You'd, you'd sort of hope to think that um, the officials would actually tell each other what they've seen and sort of like they can, they can take a couple of extra seconds just to say, I've seen a foul there. Has anyone else seen it or whatever? Yeah. Um, that isn't the case at the moment. You'd, I'd hope that would be rectified pretty soon. But uh, yeah, it, it just, it's just one of those days where you, the game finished and it was just a bad taste in the mouth mm. because you just know that GFC had put a heck of a lot into that game. Like um, Vancey said, they were also 100% better than they were in their last home game. And yet they're going to walk away or drive away just feeling really agitated by that uh, result. And um, it was just one of those, they couldn't really seem to do an awful lot about it. They, they played well, well enough anyway, to at least get something out of the game. And they've ended up with nothing. It's just a, just a real shame. Yeah, I don't want to skate through every single decision here. But there's one I want to mention as well in the second half. Danny Hale, well, a, a ball goes up and sort of dropping on the edge of the Westfield box. The Westfield player sort of starts to make uh, you know starts to sort of I don't know make a sort of action and movement towards jumping for the ball by which point Danny Hale is about two meters higher than him come you know he's got a huge leap on him comes through wins the ball fair and square um and obviously you know knocks the uh knocks the defender as well at the same time Mm. um and and it was you know the ball is then hopefully going to bounce around in the Westville box and find its way into the bottom corner at some point but um but yeah the referee blurt for that you just think I don't know. Yeah, it's so frustrating to watch. But anyway, uh, we could you, go. We you, could go on and on. You do have to wonder what Danny Hale did beforehand to sort of have every decision <laughs> given against him. He seemed to be the one on the on on the end of everything that went against GFC. It seemed um, he did have a penalty shout also in the first half. That one, to be at the time when he went down, I sort of looked at the ref, but I wasn't expecting a penalty in that one scenario it it would have been it looked quite soft from where I was and um, but then again I, I thought the Westfield penalty that was given was quite soft so there we go it, it just it just was one of those days and um, you sort of like when you're watching it as a reporter you're just sort of trying to take everything in and you you try and sort of put Guernsey bias aside um, but yeah it, it was it was understandable why Vancey said what he did at full time. I, I totally get where he was coming from. And um, yeah, you just you just hope we don't get too many performances like that throughout the season. Yeah. And as we say, James Faller uh, on the side of the officials, you know, there is a, another side to it. So we'll part that for now. As for the, the result where it leaves the green lines, um, 18th, just six goals in 11 games. Um, Westfield, meanwhile, up to sixth in the table um, with that result. So, uh, yeah, you know, would have been a really good point, uh, at least for GFC, if not more. They've got a busy week ahead. Um, They go to Marlow, who are right in the mix at the top of the table um, in third uh, on Saturday. And then um, a week on Tuesday is a trip to Binfield. Um, The next home games come against Northwood, the league leaders, on the 19th of November, Saturday. And then a week later, Bedfont Sports come to Foots Lane. Um, They're right down in the mix. So, uh, yeah... 
they obviously need to find a way to start scoring some goals. GFC had some decent chances. Matt Loring put a header over the bar, which, um, to be fair to him, he was sort of like having to go, it was curling away from him and he almost had to go backwards on himself to try and um, direct it goalwards. Um, but there were some um, chances created and obviously, fingers crossed, hopefully um, Ross Allen will be back relatively soon. He, I know he's been struggling with it through illness and he's only sort of getting back to fitness now, but he, he was in attendance on Saturday. Hopefully he'll be back on the pitch um, sooner rather than later. Yeah, and meanwhile, Wilf Zackley also there on crutches, um, awaiting news of, of what he's done to his knee um, in training the week before. So um, that's a, a, a big blow for GFC when you consider the kind of momentum he was building up. Um, so yeah, he sort of, yeah, giveth with one hand and taketh away with the other at the moment for the Green Lions. Um, let's have a quick look at what happened in the Prio League over the weekend. Um, three matches. Uh, I suppose the pick of them was Rovers coming from two goals down to beat Sylvans 3-2 and stay top of the table. North, uh, right there on their heels, they beat Alderney 2-0 at home, uh, while Velrec were 4-0 winners at the KG5 um, to stay second. So, um, yeah, some interesting results and definitely uh, the, the match of the weekend coming down at Portsmouth. Yeah, it was um, it was a bit of a shock to see um, see the Twitter feed at halftime in the GFC game. I had a quick look, and uh, Sylvans had just gone two up at Portsmouth, and I certainly wasn't expecting that. I, I don't mean any disrespect to Sylvans, but I'd sort of notched that one down as a home win um, before the weekend. Um, judging by the, uh, the reaction of Kevin Gillies, who's spoken to Harry Jones for us today, um, it was uh, it was a case of once they started getting some momentum going in the second half, they've made a couple of changes. Um, and once they sort of got their first goal to half the deficit, they were very much they were very confident that they would end up going on to win the game. Uh, Finn Whitmore scoring a couple of goals and uh, Max Simpson Cohen also scoring. He he actually didn't start the game. Uh, he came off the bench and made a good impact, as did uh, Colton Fletcher by all accounts. So um, it was probably the the result you would expect in the end in the fact that Rovers won. But um, fair play to Sylvans for uh, giving them a, a really good test uh, down at Portsmouth. As for Wreck, as I say, um, they stay second with that win against Rangers. Um, yeah, things are kind of cooking nicely. Yeah, they um, they were um, given quite a, a stern test in the first half. It ended up goalless, but uh, once once they got their scoring boots on, they um, went on to win quite comfortably. Uh, Luke Godion scoring, uh, Seb Skillen as well as Jacob Marston Pipe, and uh, the final goal was scored by Marlon Jardim against his what we can call his, his former club Rangers, although he wasn't actually with Rangers for very long. But um, yeah, it's obviously with. Uh, uh, Louis Travis being injured, having Marlon sort of being able to kind of step straight in at, into the number nine shirt, it uh, shows that Velrec is certainly going in the right direction. And uh, it was a, a, another one you'd have down as a, as a rec win ahead of the weekend, but the, you still got to go and get the job done. And um, by all accounts, they, they were worthy winners. Yeah, and a couple of interesting fixtures. Um, this Saturday in the FMB Premier League, rec go to Rovers. So that is going to be a clash to watch for sure. And then Saints host North in the five o'clock game at Blanche Pierre Lane. Again, quite interesting. Saints obviously um, in, a, in a bit of a tricky patch, but um, yeah, they'll be able to bounce back from the defeat against Rovers. Um, elsewhere, Sylvans go up to Alderney and Rangers host Bells. The win for Bells, of course, um, would keep them sort of in contention with those sides at the top. So yeah, a really interesting weekend coming up. It's hard to predict who's going to be top of the table after that weekend, Tony, because... Um, I think what well, there's at least three sides who could be. I think um, so. I think Rovers will obviously be looking to make home advantage count, but Vale have got a good head of steam up recently as well. So that's going to be a, um, a top of the table clash, which I think is actually going to be um, very difficult to call. And 
you'd suggest the way things have gone recently, North will probably be favourites at Saints, but um, Saints obviously very capable of um, of getting back to winning ways sooner rather than later. So, yeah, it's uh, although it's very early on in the season, it could be an interesting um, could make an interesting impact on the title race. Yep, we'll be watching very closely, of course. Um, right, I think that's uh, probably it for us this week. Um, just, I suppose, a final good luck to Maya over in Spain. Um, the match is uh, coming on Friday night and then next Tuesday against Japan and Norway. We'll be right across those and the rest of the local football over the next week. If you're not already, give us a follow on social media at GSY Press Sport. And um, for more on all of those uh, stories and the very best local sports coverage, make sure you pick up a paper six days a week. Um, right, cheers, Gareth. We'll see you next week. Cheers, Tony. Cheers, Tony.